0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another in-conversation piece for the Foundation for Education Development. I'm thrilled today to be in conversation with Indidia Casey, who is the Chief Executive Officer of UK Youth, a leading charity with a growing network of over 7,000 organisations and nation partners, collectively using education disciplines of youth work to support the social, personal and skill development of young people. Thanks for joining us indeedy. Really pleased to have you in this in, in conversation piece. And I know the Foundation for Education Development is an organization that is looking over the long term and how education develops so we can truly have a, a world-class education system for all our children and young people. And so looking through the lens, the bigger lens then that, that we, we often conversations about. In recent months, we've seen a lot of social volatility around the world. It has made people stop and think about what makes them feel uncomfortable. What is your take on this matter?
1: Yeah, I mean, thank, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Carl. Such a pleasure to be here and to um, have the opportunity to talk to you. Um, I think that's a really important question, and I think that when people look back in 2020 and it goes, you know, into the history books, I think this question of um, discomfort is is going to come up. Um, I am a real firm believer that um, you have to grow out of your comfort zone and you know we we throw around these terms but what that really means is that growth comes from sitting in a state of discomfort and and trusting first of all that that state is working on you um, but also understanding that that is the way to push forward into a clearer better more empathetic um, place of understanding and so I fully embrace the discomfort that has surrounded Um, this year when it comes to some of these key social issues. But my reflection is that I think it has also demonstrated that our instinct is to run away from discomfort and to sit in a space that feels familiar. We understand it. Nothing's rocked. Nothing's challenged. um, And that isn't healthy and such so much so that when we see other people expressing their reality, their views, their, their experiences, I've been quite surprised at how much the reaction is to question that thing and attack it and misunderstand it, as opposed to be quite curious about how somebody may have an entirely different view on an issue to you.
0: Yeah, yeah some, some, uh, change very quickly. very quickly. Michael Barber often refers to big change coming out of uh, world war scenarios, and, and what. The battle against COVID nineteen has been a similar scenario, and we've seen big social upheaval, haven't we? A lot based around it, uh, lots of different things, but Black Lives Matter seems to be very prominent uh, at that time. We unleashed that 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 element of an, uh, of uncomfortable feelings that you refer to.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that was there's a definite example of that i mean i I do honestly think there have been quite a few of those examples in in this year but i do think black lives matter is a a perfect case study of that because you initially had you know obviously from our perspective um it would something was ignited with the with the death of george floyd in the states Mm -hmm. and um i think there was an initial you know Reaction that was oh my god that's awful but that's over there's problem, and there was then this like groundswell of um, people not just protesting just how outrageous what we had all witnessed was, but also finding their voice around what the similarities or what what it had triggered for individuals, particularly Black people living in all other parts of the world as well. And again, just watching that for me, it was fascinating that rather than lean into the, oh, curiosity about where this is coming from. The, for, for so many people, the reaction was to push against it and say, no, that isn't here. Whereas that's not really the issue. The issue is, why are you feeling this way? What, is, what has been your experience? And for us at UK Youth, um, you know, I, I obviously started uh, in my CEO role this year and um, one of the things that happened when when the George Floyd situation um, occurred was that we were inundated with people, particularly young people, asking where they could go to talk, where they where were the spaces that they could go to be heard. And um, we felt that the, the least we could do, we really had no idea what to do, but the least we could do was to create the space. And one of the things I think has come out of that those spaces have become so much bigger and, and more, um, um, the, the whole thing has taken on legs that we would never have envisaged at the beginning. But when we launched the Young and Black campaign, which was our response to this, um, one of the big takeaways is that every single time we brought people together, different races, different ages, different sectors, one of the things that always happened were people would walk away saying, I had no idea. I I didn't know. I didn't know that was your experience. I didn't know that you were feeling this way. And so for me, that, again, just shows that something powerful happens when we just take away our defences and just open ourselves up to hear from other people.
0: Very wise there something powerful does happen when we start to listen to other people doesn't it um you mentioned when you were talking then that you you would taken over uk youth this year as chief executive what a year to become uh uh, uh the the leader of a, of an organization uh in a pandemic and, and an organization that focuses on youth and i want to 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 ask a question about that just just for this moment and the impact of the pandemic has been felt by us all but In the years to come it will be most acutely felt by our young people. So how do we make sure that our society does not have a lost generation? What are the challenges?
1: Yeah great question. I mean I think that um, there's almost been an awakening to that fact and a real a slow realisation that every single topic that we talk about whether it's mental health, whether it's employment prospects, whether it's personal or professional development transition um health um all of these things actually young people are either in one of the most impacted groups or they are categorically the most impacted demographic um against that issue and so i think for so many people um what's going on for young people has there's been a spotlight that has been placed on that through covid and um it it has been really concerning that i think that in a reaction to that, some of the narrative has been, we have a lost generation, you know, there, there's gonna be a lost generation, all these, you know, and for me, it's unacceptable to end the sentence there, right? Like we can't, what does that mean? They're not going anywhere. So, so what do we mean by a lost generation? What do we imagine those same young people are going to go up and do? And have we quite understood that if that is true, then the fact that they are lost is going to show up in lots and lots of ways down the line that society is only going to have to deal with eventually, right? So for me, when we say things like a lost generation, we need to say, OK, and then what? What do we do about that? Because it's unacceptable to to say that statement and, and kind of stop talking. Um, and so for me, the, the silver lining in COVID, if if we dare say such a thing, is that i think that we have proven as a society that my goodness we can get things done when we focus on it right we can you know things that we thought were immovable things that we thought were just embedded in the the the, the kind of the walls of how we work were suddenly um, brought down there was almost everything was on the table my goodness we closed schools <laughs> like we we closed down an, <laughs> our education system in terms of the way that we understood it to run um and so for me there there has there has been evidence that we can work together when we need to we can challenge the way things have been done when we need to and so in in response to the lost generation the question is well okay what needs to be done against every single one of those metrics what are the challenges what are the barriers and how are all the different sectors that surround young people aligned for the solutions that are required so so that's for me that the the salute the answer to your question is we need to answer your question, and <laughs> we don't know the answer, but we need to figure it out because that's our responsibility um, and By the way, we need to do it with young people we can't this is not done too, because something else that um you know I think is important and may come up a bit later as well is that we need to be really conscious of the way that we are talking if you are the generation that's been described and people are describing you as a lost generation, I'm not quite sure what we want them to internalise and interpret that from that. What, so we have to be really careful about the way that we are talking. And we have to bring young people into the conversation and say, you know, we don't have all the solutions yet. Things are really challenging, but we're going to get through this. We're going to figure this out and we're going to do it together. So so I think the answer to your question is we need to answer your question.
0: No, absolutely, we do. And that's the, 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 the accent on the we there. Most definitely, that includes young people and also New Deal. But we need to be proactive, don't we, to find solutions there to the challenges that exist. And I suppose that takes me into the next question, really. So we've often had conversations before and talked about fragmentation in the formal and non-formal education world and its impact. Why do you think this is? And what could the solutions be?
1: I am, outside of COVID and just the reality of of all of that, for me, the biggest, biggest takeaway for me coming into this job and my biggest reflection of 2020 is truly understanding how fragmented our systems, the the systems that surround young people are. Um, And it's a, being really provocative, um, it's a complete and utter dereliction of duty from my perspective, because I've spent, you know, 20 years prior to this being so focused on education, um, academic attainment, whole the whole child still. There's, you know, no one can tell me that as a teacher, I did not care about more than English and more than um, kind of academic grades. That's what teachers are focused on. They're focused on everything. They're focused on how they deal with every issue that presents itself. One of the things that I didn't give enough time to were the other experts that could be out there that I could be utilizing. And actually the extent to which I did think about that, I thought thought about it from statutory services perspective. So I thought about um, CAMS and, and, you know, social workers and, and, you know, all of those things that were maybe more explicitly a different skill set. But my goodness, there is a youth sector. There are youth organizations, there are youth workers who are skilled at working with young people in a way that is would have been so powerful for me as a teacher and school leader. And so there is something about the disconnect between those two sectors that I think actually makes both sectors work harder. And um, coming into this, one of the things that I think is going on is that there are some really unhelpful connotations and assumptions that are being made about both so you know I obviously still have all my school contacts and colleagues and friends and you know when they're talking really candidly to me when what they think of when they think about youth workers and youth work it, it you know in some regards is quite shocking compared to what I now know is actually the case and vice versa Carl I've been in rooms when people talk about the tragedy of what's happening in schools and how um you know, the youth worker is the only, you know, person in in an adult, in a young person's life that could ever possibly care about them beyond the academics. And, you know, I've had to say, I'm I'm really sorry, but that's not true. But there's just, it's just not true. And so what can we do to expose both sectors, I don't want to say sides, to each other? Um, Because I honestly think that will do so much in terms of actually driving forward progress for young people. So, yeah, I'm really curious and I'm really keen. Anybody that's watching this that has um, concrete ideas around that, I'm really, really interested in how we start breaking down those walls and bridging the divide.
0: Well, I'm sure people in touch and and, 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 um, uh, we can all find uh, each of us uh, and every one of us these days on social media. But, yeah, you, you make a point there, I think it's a really good point, that... Rarely do we find solutions in silos. We work, when we work together, we are stronger and we find better solutions. And, yeah. and the whole, the Foundation for Education Development in the last year has been focused on that neutral space to be able to bring lots of different sectors together to find new and different solutions for children and young people and the yeah. youth of tomorrow from that point yeah. of view. Now, talking about youth... You are a passionate advocate for youth engagement and youth voice. Tell us why you think that is so important.
1: I think it's kind of connected to the point you've just made, actually, because I think we intellectually understand that we get better solutions when we work together. Um, But the reality is it is harder, and it is harder initially as well, which is why people default away from it. Because the reality is if we understood that and it was so straightforward, everyone would be doing it. If, if, you knew, if you knew that it's going to get a better outcome, you'd just get on with it. But it's harder. It requires us to sacrifice our way of doing things and, again, open ourselves up to ways of working that may not immediately sync with how we've always done things. And I think that immediately connects to how we see young people even in some of the best examples when people recognize the importance of um youth voice or youth engagement even that sometimes is often um after the fact it's kind of you know we'll play back what we've done see what young people think or you know we'll kind of ask you random questions it's not co-creation it's not actually from the very beginning of the process let us get the stakeholders that we are working on behalf of involved and actually when you think about what are we here to do what are we trying to do what is the problem we're trying to solve what is the goal of our work in so many examples when you look back in history no real social change has ever happened without the individuals most affected by that being involved. But yet when it comes to educational young people, that isn't our default approach. And so much of the work that we do is done too. And this is even very practically demonstrated within the school. You know, I used to be in charge of student leadership when I was um, a school leader and, um, you know, working with other networks of schools about school leadership. And so often it was about trying to convince people that school, school um, student leadership was a good thing. It was important. Why? Why are we still having this conversation where adults are making decisions um, without young people being part of the process? And so again when you come to youth work and you come to the principles that surround youth work youth engagement youth and um, participation are key tenants of that because if you do not have agency in the solution that's being created it will not work so for me that i think if we can move people beyond youth engagement youth voice is a nice to have and we understand that actually it is a key tenant to success then I think it completely changes the dynamic about how do we do it, what's the best way of doing it, and how do we sustain um, that kind of practice.
0: No, absolutely. I think you make a, a really good point about agency there and how we, we utilise the agency, and we need to get better at it, don't we? All throughout the system, at every level, we need to get better at that. So if I could take you forward 10 years into the future and we could stand there in. T- and look back over those years from an education perspective, looking longer term, what could we have achieved in 10 years if we make the right decisions? What would your vision be standing there with me 10 years in the future looking back?
1: Again, if you'd asked me this last year, I think I would have had maybe a more um, slow burn solution in terms of what's possible in 10 years. Mm. 2020 has changed all of that. So for me, my ambition for what we can do in 10 years has just exploded. And so for me, in 10 years' time, I I firmly believe that we could have an ecosystem around young people that is deeply connected, truly personalised, starting from early years all the way through into adulthood, that allows young people to have pathways created for them that speak to every facet of um, their need whether it's um, formal education um, social skill development health whatever the case might be and we have an environment where we are no longer requiring young people to connect the dots but the system connects a dot for it for for them Um, in 10 years time I want there to be that whenever we're talking about young people we're not talking about just one thing we're talking about The ecosystem that surrounds young people in 10 years time i want to see young people in parliament not youth parliament in parliament um being exposed to how decisions are being made and being part of that process as well um in 10 years time i want to see real co-creation and co-leadership at every single level i want us to recognize that young people have value now not just in the future our job is not just to unlock their future potential but it's to harness their pet- potential today and I want that to be something that we see everywhere we look um and and no young person is is lost or left behind in that because everywhere they turn every system every phase of their life is built on those principles and is built in a way that connects where they're coming from to, to where they're going.
0: And do you occasion Chief Executive of UK Youth. Thank you very much.